as soon as I did it, I knew straight away, I was like, this is it. I feel so good about this. I just loved it. And I'd never used spray paint before either. So it was a big, steep learning curve with materials and, you know, how the hell do you get these things to look anywhere near kind of how they should on a large scale, which I really enjoyed as well. Just kind of like the skill gathering aspect of it, you know what I mean? Hello and welcome to Walls Tell Tales, a mini-series of podcast interviews with the artists behind the works of art we wander past and wander at as we wind our ways around the vibrant streets of Waltham Forest. I'm Mother Teresa and this episode we talk to street artist and poet Angry Dan about the big ideas behind his little rhymes and how his bold and lively limericks came to brighten the walls of buildings from Walthamstow to Reykjavik and beyond. Obviously, the question that I'm going to ask is, why angry, Dan? Well, I'm afraid the answer isn't terribly interesting. You know, like when we all had silly emails back in 1999, mm-hmm. like, you know, everyone had so-and-so. Well, mine was angrydanielahotmail.com. And, uh, and then after that, it became a nickname because I had it written on the back of a CD for some music. And it happened that the only person who called me it was sort of my first mate in London. And I met a load of friends through him and then loads of people started calling me Angry Dan. And then finally I sort of gave in and was like, oh, it's a, it's a really good nickname. Like no one forgets it. And that's it really. It's not, you know, I mean, I don't lack anger, but it's not like, it's not like some mad story where I'm like branded forever with this, uh, yeah. No, because you don't. Angry Dan doesn't sound like an angry man. Yeah. Yeah, not I'm from not. what I've learned so far. Yeah, you know, everyone says that. What I will say is, since um, I feel like the name a little bit affects the way that I am, because I have to put people at ease a little bit. And I also feel like, uh, in a way, it's kind of steered the sort of art that I'm making, because it kind of makes me kind of make up for it. Do you know what I mean? So I have to do stuff. Well, I feel like if I do stuff that's super happy, it kind of turns it into a, a bit of a silly joke, really. But I'm looking right in front of me at uh, the limerick which do you mind if I read it out? Go for it yeah yeah. So why would you want to set sail only to hunt and impale a perfectly innocent noble magnificent beautiful bulbous blue whale? So does that come from any feeling of injustice? Or? Of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right you're so right. I'm wondering whether yeah, some yeah. of these happier pictures you stop and you think and you look at these walls. The anger the lurks within. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you might be right, yeah. Obviously, there's a fair amount of environmental stuff. Certainly more recently, God, there's a war piece on the, on the wall there as well. I've looked at that, <laughs> That's the juxtaposition here. The dance like there's no tomorrow in this yeah. big pow graphic with a lot of missiles coming down with a very black background. I just painted that on a wall in um, earlier this year in the Fulham Town Hall show, you know, the Art in the Age of Now. There was a huge show in the... I mean, that's an older piece, I guess. You're right. You're totally right. You've got me. There is there is anger in there, sure. <laughs> but it's the energy. So yeah, yeah well, like Public Image Limited, they were that that song, anger is an energy. Yeah. Okay, so what came first? Was it the poetry, the music, or the art? Right. I mean, I've always made music, and I've always fiddled about with music on the computer for a long, long time. Um, and that was what I did for years and years as my sort of what you might call public output in my late teens and in my twenties as well. But I always wrote folk songs for myself, and. Yeah, over the years, I suppose, the kind of the electronic music became slower and uh, uh, less of a feature. And the words in the folk songs became more important to me until 
somebody invited me to do a reading at their wedding and I've, I'm denied about what it might be. They said, oh, you can just do whatever you like. You know, very old friend of mine and uh, is now obviously lovely wife. So I, yeah, I sort of scratched my head for ages about what it might be. Lyrics to a song, something slightly funny, but poignant. And then I decided to write something. And uh, yeah, so I wrote a poem for their wedding and I found the experience so enjoyable and I felt so good about what I'd done that it was just obvious after that point that that was what I was doing that the words were the most important thing and the music had kind of gone to the side slightly. So you play various instruments. Very badly, yes. But this is a compliment to the words that you... I've, I've looked, <laughs> we've looked online and we've seen your website and it's separated into various categories. You've got limericks, you've got paintings, you've got film and you've got song. I have to say, there was one particular bit, it was, it was quite unnerving. And it was a film called uh, Let's Play Scrabble, a dark Christmas tale <laughs> starring, I, I don't know where you found him, but Sam Ricks Sam. is in an, an incredibly scary kind of Jack Nicholson-like character. Sam is me. a wonder. He's awesome. A yeah, yeah. You've got to go and look this one up because it is brilliant spoken word as well. And just the wordplay in it, as with Scrabble, just, I absolutely loved it. It blew me away, that one. Oh, thank you. I didn't know yeah, that yeah. you did that sort of stuff as well. Well, you know, I just started writing it one day and that's where it ended up. A guy called Tom Rosser directed it and he worked really, really closely with Sam to realise it in that way. So the words are mine, but the, you know, everything else about the craft of it is absolutely theirs. Um, I felt like it turned out a little bit darker than it felt to me when I wrote it. I thought it was more like a Rick Mayle sort of, you know, slapsticky sort of, sort of thing. And when I watched it for the first time, especially when it being graded and stuff, I remember feeling like, whoa, like that's kind of heavy. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? But also knowing immediately that it was way better than what I had in mind, which was kind of like a kind of kid's Friday night, seven o'clock show. <laughs> you still could. It ends with humour. Yeah, yeah, it's sure. Just, I don't want to give anything away because that would be too much of a spoiler. I'd just say, go and look at it. It's, it's It really is incredible, I think. It's dark, yeah. It is dark, but in a good way. <laughs> I think we all have dark Christmases in some ways. Yeah. It's all, you know, all the lights and everything, but underneath it sometimes there's those family moments and those bits percent, of competitiveness. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone has a relationship with Christmas, don't they? A, mm. You know, a kind of complicated one in some sort of way or another. I like the idea that it happens on the first time you meet your girlfriend's parents. So, <laughs> interesting. Was this based on real life? Or? So, I guess the start of it certainly was. So, I've been with my partner Alice for six years now. And she has a very wonderful, loving, large family. And they live in a, you know, nice big house. And they're all lovely, amazing people. Uh, and sometimes that can be quite intimidating as a new person to come into. You know, everybody knows each other very well and you're kind of the new boyfriend. And so I had this anxiety about going there for Christmas. And we were kind of, we were there for three days because that's how the trains work. And all of this stuff that I just said there is basically kind of the first 45 seconds of the poem. So there was no escaping the fact that it started off with that being the kind of base bed for it. But... I guess about a minute in, it kind of just veers off into a completely different direction. Mm. Um, yeah. Because this is the sort of thing that we might not necessarily know because we don't walk around and see it on the streets, which is what we would normally do. So if you see Angry Dan, then you think about these really brightly coloured limericks in very bold lettering. And it's it, it does make you stop and look. And you're all over the place, aren't you? So th we are in Walthamstow at the moment. We're sitting in... Angry Dan's studio, it's covered with lots of ideas. There's some limericks, there's some pictures, there's things to do, there's tick boxes, there's 
things crossed out. Notes, to, my, notes to myself about, yeah, remembering to... A random 70s plate up on the, you know, top left corner. Well, it depends on where you're sitting. Just inspirations, colour charts, all sorts. It's really... Well, it, this is the hub, isn't it? This is it. It's a messy working room, yeah. Is this where you rush up the stairs? So you go from... I've got an idea. You rush up the stairs to the studio and yeah. it suddenly comes to fruition. I mean, the house is like... I can use the whole house to an extent, but certainly this is... Yeah, this is where I am most of the day, sure. Mm. Did you study anything to do with what you do now? Um, did it just come from being naughty at the back of a class or something? <laughs> well, I didn't do any drawing or writing stuff past your kind of normal kind of comprehensive school stuff um no uh, and I didn't really draw from primary school all the way until about uh, five or six years ago which is why everything is so childlike because I don't really know how to draw in a, in a proper sort of sense I have a degree in psychology that might seem poignant but to me it doesn't seem poignant you've used the optical illusions I remember studying an A-level for psychology where you've got the vase or the two faces yeah okay sure mm. I mean I do I, I love science on the whole and mm. certainly um, the choice to do psychology was based largely on I thought I'd have an enthusiasm for it because of that and that comes out in the work sure like I you know I think you know, scientific sort of facts are, I find them fascinating and I think if I can pinch one and add a bit of colour to it then um, yeah it tends to work quite well and I was also going to ask you, uh, what is the favourite, the most favourite thing you've ever written, if you can remember? Yeah. Um, my favourite limerick probably is The Pear, just because, and this is up on the market, on Walthamstow Market, near the gym, that yes. gym that's just down from the... the gym. The gym that's just down from the town square. Other gyms are available. Uh, yeah, so I just feel like, just because of the way that looks and there's loads of fruit puns in there and it's kind mm. of innocent, it's about unrequited love but not on any sort of deep level. For me, that's kind of the epitome of what I'm trying to do, I suppose. You know, clever but not annoying. It's in a pair and it starts with honeydew. Yeah, yeah. And cantaloupe. Well, I mean, cantaloupe, this, cantaloupe. this is the word pear in the middle, so I feel, I feel like I'm allowed to use the pear shape. Absolutely. You can do what you like, can't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit fruity. How did the idea come to you? So how did the idea for putting limericks on painted walls happen? I've been writing them for a while. I started to illustrate them a little while after that because I realised I needed a way to, to represent them. And I got a bunch of postcards made initially, like a, like a dozen postcards. And I met an illustrator called Sam Thorne, Samuel B. Thorne on the internet we'd stuck a sticker next to each other and we sort of had a, it was a weird thing for kind of grown up blokes to do but we met in a park and had a few beers and we were like hey how's it going we were alongside each other at least stuck to the side of some like electrical box and he took me to this um this writing event on a or this kind of illustration event on brick lane just randomly that evening and i gave a postcard to somebody called lee bofkin who runs global street art which is like a big street art agency in shoreditch and he just looked at the card and was like oh do you want to paint this on a hoarding in uh, in Shoreditch on Great Eastern Street. And I did my first one, I think, like 10 days later. Random, isn't it? Really, really random. But as soon as I did it, I knew straight away, I was like, this is it, you know. I feel so good about this. I like, I just loved it. Um, and I'd never used spray paint before either. So it was a big, steep learning curve with materials and, you know, how the hell do you get these things to, to look anywhere near kind of how they should mm. on a large scale, which I really enjoyed as well, just kind of like the skill gathering aspect of it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, would it be fair to say that when you met and you were doing this, you suddenly fell into a completely new community as well? Yeah, completely, yeah, yeah. And for a while as well, it felt like, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, street art is a funny old thing, you know, like with any kind of community like that, there are so many different types of people there. 
coming from a background of making music and kind of being involved with the scene earlier in my life and then moving into street art, it seemed like everyone was like kind of more open and more enthusiastic, less competitive than with music tends to be a bit more like, you know, who's cool, who's, mm. you know, who's what sort of thing. At least it was when I was younger. There's something a lot more subversive, isn't there, I think, but street art and this confusion with street art, graffiti and mm. whose wall is it anyway? I mean, there are only so many walls that are exposed enough to, for you to be able to do your work. Is that Yeah, yeah. I mean, Walthamstow is full of murals, isn't it? Let's, mm. let's be honest. Like, it would be interesting to know statistically in terms of the number of murals per wall or something, how it would be up there in terms of places in the country. Yeah, I mean, it, there can be competition, sure. I just try and do, you know, just do my own thing and not really not get too angry about it, I suppose. Just <laughs> Yeah. Because I don't know the origin of graffiti itself, but it goes, I've seen the Pompeii stuff. Mm. Um, it's been around for a long time. And I don't know, I'd never look at your stuff and think, I'd say street art, I definitely wouldn't say graffiti, but then I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't know what graffiti is and what, what it isn't. Well, I mean, th I think, I think maybe it, a tag is, if I look, think that looks bad, then I think. Technically, in a, in a modern sense, I mean, graffiti is usually classified as something that's done without permission. Mm. Um, so vandalism. You could use the word vandalism if mm. you wanted to. Um, some people do use that with pride. That's, mm. you know, that's another slant on it, I suppose. Technically, I've only ever really done one piece of graffiti, and that was the, the pale blue dot mural on the marshes. Um, that's the only thing I've ever painted without, oh, uh, okay. without permission to Is paint. Is it still there? Yeah, uh, well, I had to redo it a couple of times, but yeah. But it's still there because people wanted it to be there. I guess, thankfully, it's still there. Okay, right. I was going to ask you about the timeline of what you've been doing. What was the first limerick you put up on a wall? And you've got, how many, do you know how many you've got around this area, around E17? I painted nine limericks, uh, nine murals, in a space of about six or six or eight months, I suppose, um, in 2019. And then in 2020, I had my show at the Wombi Window Gallery. This is kind of hyper-local, but I know that you've gone beyond the boundaries of East 17, mm. Wolfham Forest. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about what work you've done beyond Walthamstow, beyond London, beyond the UK? You're, you're kind of going a bit WWW, aren't you? <laughs> I did my first wall internationally in Reykjavik for the Reykjavik Fringe Festival. An amazing spot opposite, there's a big church there. I can't say the word, but it's something like Hausgrimskjara or something like that. But it's like the big architectural masterpiece on top of the hill. And there's this, uh, this hotel opposite called Hotel Liefer Eriksson. Uh. And they had me do a, yeah, a, a limerick on the side of the wall there. So it's like proper there's res in in, uh, in Reykjavik a lot of fun to paint okay now look I wrote a little limerick oh you did about you oh wow but, <laughs> but I don't know there's a, a thing there's a bit that's missing here and it's I've got three options so angry Dan mm -hmm. is a mover and shaker or angry Dan is a happy creator right or angry Dan is a sweet innovator right which one do you like best um I love the word innovator but mover and shaker feels like, if we're just judging that line on, on its own merits, probably the winner. Yeah. Right, okay, so I'll carry on, because that was a bit I got stuck on. Okay. Angry Dan is a mover and shaker who works as a street illustrator. His limerick style is so versatile that it never requires a translator. Woo! Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well that's some, um, I don't know whether that would, it definitely doesn't sum you up because you've got so many other things. You've got your fingers in. Well, many you've only got five lines. You, know? you can't yeah, say true. everything, what can, can you, do? you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just yeah. have to get an idea across, which you have done there. I will say, if I had a pound for every time someone wrote a limerick about me, I'd have about 20 pounds. What are your future projects? I'm definitely working towards a book of illustrated limericks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that has been in the work for a long time. And in fact, the idea of that has been a, a propellant since before I started painting. Um, mm. So yeah, that's kind of a long-term goal. But really like super long-term, I'd love to make a couple more films because they're fun, but when I've got a bit more time because they're loads of work, but super long-term, I really, really enjoy writing and I don't really get to do enough of it because I do a lot of colouring and painting and stuff. Mm. So I feel like when there are just so many limericks and, you know, so I've just, <laughs> when I've just, when I've just, when I've covered all the ground and I've done all the illustrations and there's just so mm. many done, then I would like to write some longer stuff. How do you start? Is it with coloured pencils or crayons or what's um, the process? Well, I actually did a video for the BBC I saw it. Teach. So if there are any youngsters out there who want to know sort of generally how it's done, then if you go to BBC Teach and mm. search Angry Anna, I think it'll probably come up. But yeah, what do I do? I don't know. Just use all the bright colours, go crazy, really. In terms of writing rhymes, get as ridiculous as possible, mm. of course. If you want to keep it personal, take the mickey out of your brother or sister. Teacher. Teacher. Didn't say that, though, did we? Yeah, yeah. That's what I used to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as long as, you, you know, you keep it reasonably clean. I will mention now, there was a, what was it? I did, so I've done a, a couple of um, limerick writing workshops with local primary schools. Mission Grove, where I painted the light bulb, they had me in after I painted the bulb to go and do a few sessions with the year fives. And I can't remember the kid's name, but it was one of the best absurd rhymes that have come out of any of those sessions. And it was Luca playing snooker with a bazooka. Brilliant. And her brother was called Luca. Ah. Um, yeah, that for me is like, yeah. Influences, so poets or you know, people like Spike Milligan, would that have had an influence? Or? I do like Spike Milligan. Mm. I can't say that I was very aware of him when I was younger. Mm. Um, certainly he wrote a ton of cool limericks and I have the book downstairs and mm-hmm. I've read through it and I love it. Mm. But it's something that people have given me afterwards or said to me, oh, you know, wow, Spike Milligan, you'd love that. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I do. But no, not early on. Uh, we talked about Tim Minchin before yeah. when we were downstairs, Amazing. didn't we? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, coming from the music into that sort of stuff, you know, that blows me away. You get commissioned, don't you? Yeah. This is So when you paint a wall, when Angry Dan paints the wall, he has commissions. This is public art, isn't it? Yeah. So how does it happen? How do you get this these public commissions? Oh, um, so many ways. Now. But the coolest way it happens is someone sends you an email and says, hey, you know, how much would you charge us to do this there? Have you got something that's appropriate? And you come back and say, you look like, you know, I've got one, something like this or I could try and do something and then everything's easy and great. Mm. But yeah, there are so many other ways it happens as well. You know, you meet somebody or you see some cool project happening and you might pop them an email and say, hey, I'm over here. You know, can I join in sort of thing? Yeah, so many different ways. Have you got your eye on a particular area that you'd, you'd kind of like to get your paintbrush on oh, an area in, in in anywhere say in the world I mean of course I want to paint like down. you know I, I want to paint in New York and I'd love to paint in more places in Europe as well but I mean I like doing all the UK towns as well you know I've been as far north as Carlisle mm. I went to Manchester a couple of times this year which was really cool and there is a bee in Manchester with a poem inside it well no I did a print for the show there with that but I did a uh, an atom with a, with a poem about atoms. I've seen it, yeah. Near, I think, near a place to do with Jack Rutherford, who I don't know the exact 
thing that he did, but something to do with like finding out what was inside it or something. Mm. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but. Um, but you do your research, don't you? So you've got books of, of science and you'll find the right word for the right thing. And Yeah. Right I mean, process. the internet is a magical it's, thing, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what I mean? It it's all, and that now is all part of the process. I think, I don't think there's only certain, you know, I probably only had a hundred limericks in me in terms of personal sort of experience. And then, mm. and then after that, it's like, right, well, you know, there are subjects that I like, so I'll delve into those and, um, and spend most of my research time just going, Oh, cool. Mm. You know, that's a new thing. Every I didn't day's know. a school day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got, I've got like a, a single word file with all the ideas for limericks that have just been nicked off the internet, mm. like stuff that I found that's really interesting. So a single sort of line of, mm. you know. So you go, oh, wouldn't it be good if I wrote about this, 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 and this? Exactly, just a massive list of like 100 mm. things probably on there at the moment. And then underneath it, all the stuff that I'm working on. So I might have a couple of lines or things junking about underneath. And then when something gets finished, I'll highlight it in bold. And then when it gets illustrated, I'll delete it. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how it goes. Okay, so we've said all these amazing things about Angry Dan and, and people might wander around on the street and I, mean, I suppose you could use a common sense, but let's let's find out what your socials are, how we access uh, your wonderful work. The one that I post on more often than not is uh, Instagram and it is very simply Angry Dan on Instagram. Easy to find. Facebook is weird, it's Angry Dan 1. Somebody else was Angry Dan? Well, actually, it's my personal profile is Angry Dan. Ah. Um, and my website, angrydan.com. Got them all. Great. Okay. Well, that's really easy. Well, thank you. Not very angry, angry Dan. <laughs> my pleasure. It's been absolutely lovely. And the coffee is now cold and we've had a wonderful conversation in your studio full of ideas. Have a wonderful day. Oh, you too. These podcasts were produced by Engen, Hassan and other Teresa. We would love to interview local makers and creators who are holding exhibitions, indoors or outdoors, running community projects or have plans to do so. If you're interested in talking to us about your work, please get in touch with otherteresa at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.